coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. I noticed that Peter and John, when they were dealing with this crippled beggar, didn't just step over him. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I'm not here for no welfare. They didn't say that. They didn't ease up at the stoplight and let their foot off the gas so they can get out of eyesight, uh, not having to make contact, eye contact with the person on the corner holding the sign. They didn't do that. They didn't burrow through a red light so that they wouldn't have to be stuck at the light with the person asking for the change. Man, it's... (laughs) Amen lights. Amen lights. Yes, they acknowledged him and they gave him something that was better for his life. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is none like you. None like you in all the earth. Father God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And every word that I speak and every thought that I think be something that advances your kingdom, Lord God. Continue to have me decrease so that you can increase. Hide me behind your cross so that all they can see is Jesus. In the name above all names, we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to talk a little bit today about by what authority. By what authority. Authority is defined as the power to or right to give orders make decisions and enforce obedience. It's also a person or an organization having power or control, in particular, a typically political or administrative sphere. Some synonyms are power, jurisdiction, command, control, charge, dominance, sovereignty, supremacy, officialdom, officials, Uh, These are some of the words that are interchangeable with authority. Uh, For the last two years or so, one of the most popular games for your smartphone has been something called Pokemon Go. People literally walk the streets like zombies. Staring at their phones, hunting for collectible characters. But what actually are they looking at? They're looking at the world. They're looking at streets and parks and houses and public buildings. The game is tied to several real world landmarks. And the most popular sites have a true historic significance in them. Uh, Pokemon Go is a franchise, or Pokemon in general is a franchise that is based on capturing, training, breeding uh, fictional animals, if you will, for different tasks. 
And they have all different kinds. They have water-based and air-based and fire-based and land-based. And, and the, the, the slogan for Pokemon is got to catch them all. Uh, you walk around in this game with your cell phone looking for things, trying to capture Pokemon. Uh, you walk around with your cell phone and your camera is open. All right. And your camera is taking pictures or video or whatever of everything that you're walking in front of. But then it's putting digital uh, images on top of the actual picture. So you would walk, say, into the parking lot. Uh, and you walk into the parking lot and your phone will see a bunch of cars. But it'll put a Pokemon on top of one of those cars, and you got to try to capture it. And so people would go around walking to all these places, real landmarks, because it's using the actual maps of the cities and towns that we're in, but they're putting out these imaginary animals to capture and fight against. Uh, you got to catch them all. And then once you have them, if you have an egg or, or a, a baby Pokemon... Your phone tracks the number of steps you take and how, uh, what distance you walk already. So you have to walk around in order to hatch or train your Pokemon. So a lot of people have been talking about this is good, uh, a good way to sneak in some exercise. Because you got to take actual steps. You can't just like walk in a circle a bunch of times until you hit the number of steps that you need in order to hatch or train the Pokemon. I remember seeing... Uh, and what they call this technology is called augmented reality. You have the reality in front of you, but you've augmented it. Uh, uh, I remember when Pokemon Go came out, I was still working at my old job at Exxon Mobil. And I remember watching people walking around the campus trying to catch different Pokemon. I also remember the company-wide email that went out saying you can no longer play Pokemon on campus. <laughs> uh, they claimed there was a safety concern uh, because if you're walking around looking through your phone, you're not paying attention to what's going on, you might trip over some stairs or you might bump into somebody or not realize something was going. And I can, I can believe there was a safety concern. Yeah. Yes, it was. But I've been working at oil and gas for a little bit by that time, and I also knew that more than a, along with this safety concern, there's an authority concern. Uh, any oil and gas company doesn't really care much for just having random people just walk up and try to walk into their plants. And, and, you know, they're making money over there, and you can make a decision that can cost millions of dollars, and you don't want everybody to see all that. So you keep that kind of stuff tight. So they're not big on having a bunch of random people trying to walk up to their place, nor are they uh, big on having people who aren't authorized mm -hmm. to go into certain areas be trying to walk into those areas without the proper authorization. So there was an authority issue there. Uh, one man in Massachusetts actually was surprised because he had a bunch of random people uh, congregating on his sidewalk. Mm. 
and they would be pulling up to his address and walk, getting out and trying to walk around at odd hours. Uh, his home was once a historical church, and he had it refurbished and, and made into a home. And because this thing tracks, this Pokemon Go tracks these popular destinations and puts training gyms there and, and, and different things of that nature or a really nice Pokemon that everybody wants to catch would be at that area, he had people coming to his house. And he wrote on Twitter that living in an old church means many things, he said. Today it means Pokemon Go. Uh, his house is weird, real, but the Charmanders, which is a Pokemon, or the Squirtles, which is a Pokemon around it, are not. They are Pokemon characters. They are exotic cartoons that seem to be living in and around churches. There was actually plenty of, of discussion amongst the clergy community when Pokemon Go first came out was, do we really need uh, uh, to embrace this or shun this? Because a lot of these churches are old, which means they're historical landmarks, which means they pop up as popular places in this Pokemon Go atmosphere. And do we shoo these people away or do we open our doors and let them in? Ah. But these Pokemon were uh, at these churches at houses and other places in the real world and parks and, and, and even the White House in Washington and, and characters were popping up everywhere. And this Pokemon Go, like I said, is an example of an augmented reality. It's supposed to be the real world, but better. Uh, but maybe not better, but different. Uh, in an interesting way. And it's the same thing, not just with Pokemon Go, it's with other apps like Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook when you can put the filters on the face and give people bunny ears and long tongues and sparkles in their eyes. These things are augmented reality. You can put crowns on people's heads or a dog nose on these things. I even did one. I thought it was funny, though. I, I tried the face switch app with my son, and I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it wasn't working. I might need to delete it and reload it again and see what happens. But so for some odd reason, when I face swapped with my son, I couldn't, I couldn't see the, the app working right. But these are augmented realities. And in the future, uh, one of the things I'm trying to save my little pennies up for one day is Google Glass. It's a regular pair of glasses, but you're still able to search the net and do some other things while you're searching, and it'll just project onto the lens of your glasses. That's just, that's me. Don't, that's just, I'm, I'm saving up my little pennies for it. The price, the price is a little too high right now, but, you know, that's with any technology. If you wait a little longer, it'll come down. Uh, uh, but they, they, they're expecting to have smart windshields projecting information uh, where you're at and where you're headed. And, and teachers will use augmented reality to give students a virtual tour of the human circulatory system. Uh, they're working on things where experienced surgeons will be able to view operations remotely and provide instructions to physicians who are actually doing the surgery. Uh, they're thinking about trying to figure out how they can do it to augment the vision of blind people and, and glasses that will send a video feed to a customer service uh, person that will tell them what's actually going on. Uh, these are the things that they have planned for this kind of technology, augmented reality in the real world, but those examples would be much better. And reading the book of Acts, we come to a situation of augmented reality. But it's nothing new. 
uh, in the early Christian church, uh, the real world was made better by innovations that were spiritual instead of technological. One day in the city of Jerusalem, uh, the apostles Peter and John, and I like Peter and John, and I like reading about Peter and John because they are the biblical odd couple. Peter's a little bit of a hothead, and he tells you what's on his mind, and John is a little bit of more meek and mild, and he's a little more reserved, and they went around the, uh, the area trying to do things for the name of Jesus, and these two people were together, so it lets me know that before I even come to the church, that 2,000 years ago, we had a bunch of hotheads, and we had a bunch of meek and mild and reserved people all trying to advance the kingdom, and so Peter and John were out here in Jerusalem, and and they came across a crippled beggar. Can you, can you help a brother out? Do you, do you have any spare change? Can a brother get a dime? Can a brother get a dollar? Can a brother get something to eat? Can a brother get something to drink? They came across this one in Acts chapter 3. And they, uh, Peter said, uh, silver and gold have I not. But uh, such as I have is this. In the name of Jesus, take up your bed and walk. And he was able to get up and take up his bed and walk. So he had an augmented reality. He had a real situation, but then it got better with the help of Jesus. His reality was augmented, and not only was it augmented, it was augmented permanently. His reality up until that point was that he could not be, uh, he could not move on his own. He was crippled and had to have a bed there, and he didn't get there by himself, but he was still left there, and that was his reality. But after that, he was able to stand and walk on his own. We all have some augmented reality. Our reality right now might be crying ourselves to sleep but the augmented reality will let us know that weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning we may be down on our last but we should know that the augmented reality tells us that we are the righteousness of God we are the apple of his eye he loves us and nothing can separate that from us we should also know that we can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives us strength so there are these things that are augmenting the reality now but there was things that were augmenting our reality then, and they are just as good and even better. Ah, what I read in your hearing came in the mainstream because it says it starts off on the next day because that previous day, Peter and John had did that, and they were going to afternoon prayer. Nah, I should stop back and touch that for a little bit. Peter and John were on their way to afternoon prayer. All right, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> They were on their way to the temple. The apostles were making it a regular deal to go to church. Check, check, two, two. <laughs> this wasn't their once a month trip. This wasn't their Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. This, this was afternoon prayer, which implies that not only did they go on a regular basis, but they went multiple times a day. Uh, and if Peter and John are not a good enough example, you can go look at Jesus when it talks about Jesus was going to the temple and it says as was his custom. Man, it got quiet in here. As was his custom. That meant it's something he did on a regular basis. The Bible says, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren, brethren to dwell together in unity. The Bible says to forsake not the assembly of others. If you want to be a Christian, you got to be a Christian in community. Mm. 
They asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment of all. He said to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And then he said a second is like that. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. You're going to have to be around some people if you want to do this thing called Christianity. Uh, that says that in James, pure religion was to take care of the widows and the orphans of the world. You got to spend some time around some people. It don't have any qualifications about uh, what kind of job they have or what kind of neighborhood they uh, live in or what kind of family they're from. You're going to have to spend some time around some other people. I noticed that Peter and John, when they were dealing with this crippled beggar, didn't just step over him. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I'm not here for no welfare. They didn't say that. They didn't ease up at the stoplight and let their foot off the gas so they can get out of eyesight, uh, not having to make contact, eye contact with the person on the corner holding the sign. They didn't do that. They didn't burrow through a red light so that they wouldn't have to be stuck at the light with the person asking for the change. Man, it's... Amen lights. Amen lights. Yes, they acknowledged him and they gave him something that was better for his life. Uh, and so they entered the temple for afternoon prayer and they saw that this man was, uh, they saw this lame man who was walking around now. And the people that were in there saw the lame man and they were filled with wonder and amazement. I'm still around Acts chapter 3 if you want to go home and read it for yourself, which should be your custom. Uh, but seeking to learn more about this marvelous deed, the people of the gate approached Peter and John and asked them how did he do this, the, the, the alleged perpetrators of this act. And because they did this, because they had stolen the shine of the authority in place, because they had got this person up who a bunch of other people had walked by, and maybe some of them had even given him some, some money, but everybody else is looking at this man who once was crippled and lame and sitting on the steps of the temple as everybody walked over him multiple times a day for prayer is now in the temple praising. Ah, and so Peter and John ended up arrested behind what they did. And that's what we get to in your reading. They were arrested because not only were they out here healing the sick and making the lame walk, which was what they were supposed to do. Uh, the gospel, according to John, tells us that Jesus said we're supposed to be able to do greater things than Jesus did. Uh, we talk about moving mountains. Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be lifted up and cast into the sea, we ought to be able to do some of these same things. Uh, but Peter and John were arrested not only for this, but they were claiming that Jesus was the resurrection of the dead. And, and the next day, uh, the high priest and how these people got together to conduct some sort of interrogation. Now, I've got to sit back and wonder. This is just me wondering. But, but they named off all of these people, uh, the, the, the rulers, the elders, the, sli the scribes, as long as an, an, an Annas and Caiaphas and, and John and Alexander and, 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 and all of these people and, and the family, the entire family of the high priest, along with Peter and John, are in this house being interrogated. How big did that house have to be to fit all these people in? 
Got a whole nother sermon on this when they talk about Jesus' trial and the Sadducees, uh, when they brought him to the Sadducees' house and the, the entire council was there to, enter, to, to interrogate Jesus. The entire council was 72 people. So how big could these houses have been, the high priest's house have been, to fit this many people in it? How big could a high priest's house have been in order to conduct a trial? That's just me wondering. But they are there, and and there's a pre-trial because they want to know what is this. Uh, They ask him, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Peter... Filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. It didn't say Peter the hothead. It didn't say Peter went for his sword to slice off an ear like he did when they tried to arrest Jesus. It said Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit can change somebody that was willing to cuss out Jesus and was willing to chop off somebody's ear and had a hothead to be filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a hope for me. There's a hope for not only me, but there's a hope for every one of you. God can use whomever God wants to accomplish God's will. And so Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this day we are to be judged by a good deed, which we've done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to all of y'all. Since you're mad that I did something that you couldn't do, since you're mad that I I sat and I helped somebody that you had walked over and ignored, and now they came to the church and they in the church praising, so they a constant reminder of when they were on their ground, when they was on their back. Now they're able to stand up on their own two feet. Now they're able to leap for joy. They're able to raise their hands and praise God. This is a constant reminder of that. Let me tell you exactly how I did it. <laughs> Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Here's another reason that I like Peter, because he says this over and over again. Jesus Christ, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. Peter is a little old school preacher, and I like old school preachers because I'm a bit of an old school preacher myself. It don't matter where I start. We all know where I'm finishing. And right here, over and over again, Peter is going to say all throughout Acts, Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. So over and over again, he's going to talk about that one Friday morning on a hill called Calvary where they took my Savior and strung him up between two thieves. But he died. Didn't he die? Died until the moon was dipped in blood. Died until the earth reeled and rocked like a natural man. Died until the sun refused to shine. Died until the veil was torn. Died until the centurion said, surely, surely this must be the son of God. But he says, Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. So that's that early, early, early on the third day he got up with all power in his hands. He's letting them know that it's not his own power that he's doing it by. He's doing it by the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, No matter what is going on, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, and that is his response. What power are you able to do this by the resurrection? 
what power are you able to do this for? This Jesus Christ who came to earth and lived a life that I could not live, die a death that I could not die, become the perfect sacrifice, get raised three days or ascend into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. That same power that was working through that is the same power that's working through Peter. And guess what? That same power that is working through Peter is the same power that can work through you. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. These apostles are uneducated. We're talking about fishermen and tax collectors. But they are over here leading what will will be one of the biggest movements of all time. No way to do that except with the the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. Jesus was executed in humiliation, but was resurrected with glorification. They treated him like a common criminal, but he rose with all power in his hand. And when all power was in his hand, that power went out to his disciples through the Holy Spirit. And that same power is the reason that Peter was able to go to the people and say, silver and gold have I not. But such as I have is this, in the name of Jesus, take up your bed and walk. It was that same Holy Spirit that when he got put in front of the so-called authority, he was able to operate with the power of the true authority. Ah. And then he tells them that, that, that this uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you uh, crucified, but God raised from the dead by this man, by him, this man stands here before you whole. That man is preaching a better sermon than Peter ever could because they seen him laid on the ground. And now they see him standing up in the courts. They seen him in the church praising God. And they can remember all of those things that happened before there. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I say it time and time and I'm going to say it again. You all will preach more sermons than I ever will. You all will be the only sermon some people hear out in the world. You all will be the only Bible some people ever read. They'll make their decision about coming to Jesus Christ based on how you treat them. Do you walk past them and ignore them? Or do you pour into their lives? Ah, and then he says that, that, that God raised him from the dead and from this, with him this man stands before you whole. Then he says this is the stone which the builders rejected, which has become the chief cornerstone. Ah, he's in there quoting that Psalm 118. And had he gone a little further, he would have said, this is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in his eyes. This is what's going on. It's not our doing. It's not my doing. It's not any of y'all's doing. It's the Lord's doing. That's where the authority comes from. Uh, and this, this, this happens and it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which w- must be saved. In reality, there is death. Nothing is certain. Uh, said Benjamin Franklin in the 1700s. Nothing is certain but death and taxes. And now that tax day is behind us, uh, we are keenly aware of the reality of taxes. But what about death? Death is a requirement, not a suggestion. And the death rate is the same as it always been. One per person. 
Nah. But in God's super augmented reality, we can find eternal life. The grave is not the end for anyone who trusts in Jesus because he is the one whom God raised from the dead. God overcomes the cross for Jesus and he overcomes our deaths as well, receiving us into everlasting life. This is an augmented life that is connected with what we know in this world but goes far beyond it. St. Augustine said in one of his prayers, we shall rest and we shall see and we shall see and we shall know and we shall know and we shall love and we shall love and we shall praise behold our end to which there is no end uh, resting and seeing and knowing and loving and praising and all they're all part of this real world we experience them we understand them but everlasting life is the augmentation of the saving power of God and they connect us to God and each other for eternity so this is something that's real but better yes. uh, and such augmented reality is spiritual it's not technological. And Peter and John experienced it in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit through their lives. The same can be true for us as long as we open up our human hearts and our, our human efforts to the work of the Holy Spirit and trust that Jesus is offering us forgiveness and eternal life. Uh, and so when they say, how is he able to do this? Uh, they say, I'm doing it by Jesus Christ whom you crucified, but who God raised from the dead. And there is no other name which is said that they can be saved. And we didn't read this part in your hearing, but they go on, and after they've had this pretrial, they, they conduct a, a council amongst each other. And they say, what are we going to do with these people? Uh, for indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them and is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we can't deny it. We've seen the man on the floor. We've seen him crippled and lame. But now he's up and praising the Lord. So we can't say they're a bunch of fakers. We can see their fruit. And so it says that he calls them together in verse 18 and says and commands them not to speak at all anymore or teach in the name of Jesus. By what authority are you doing this? We are doing this in the name of Jesus. Well, you can't keep embarrassing us like this, so we're going to have to do something about it. So they get told not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. Why can't they do that anymore? Because these people had understood something that maybe we as Christians have not begun to understand yet. But there is power in the name of Jesus. They understood what authority they had going on, and they had to try to take themselves out of that. So they told them, you can't do this anymore in the name of Jesus. We done seen what the work is, and we're going to try to take this away from you. Because they understood that there is power in the name of Jesus. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. There is the healing in the name of Jesus. There is righteousness in the name of Jesus. There is power, wonder-working power in the name of Jesus. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its work. It sounds like music to my ears. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Oh, how precious is the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, the more I call him. Jesus, the better I feel. Jesus, the way maker. Jesus, the heart fixer. Jesus, the mind regulator. Jesus, the sustainer. 
Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus, the one who was and is and is to come. The doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook.